What's up, fellas? Welcome to episode 13 of the Grown Man Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kersey, and I'm really excited for the show because we have Todd Wolkowski, who is an attorney at Frost Brown Todd. He would probably hate that I just called him an attorney, even though that is his technical title. But Todd has been a mentor of mine for years and years now. And what I really appreciate so much about Todd is just his dedicated advocacy for his clients and his work as outsourced in-house counsel, which we don't get into a ton on the show, but it's a really cool model of business. Maybe one of these times we'll have Todd back on the show just to talk about specifically his entrepreneurial journey. But today we talk a lot about his faith journey, his journey through uh, the military and years of dedication there and just twists and turns of his career to end up uh, going to law school and then ultimately end up here in Cincinnati, Ohio, thanks to his wonderful, wonderful wife. So we were forever grateful (laughs) for his presence here in Cincinnati and just sincerely the impact that he's had on the city somebody that has been so dedicated to the community that he has built here in Cincinnati, just helping connect other people, helping people make wise choices in their business, with their wealth, with their families. He's just such a great advocate as a friend, as a mentor, but also as a uh, as a business partner. And so, Todd, grateful for you to come on the show, brother. Uh, anybody that's listening, if you have not taken a few minutes, go to grownmanproject.com and get signed up for the email newsletter. I would love for you to go do that so that you don't miss any of these podcasts or any other announcements around live events or any other resources that we're creating there. And if the show has been valuable to you, if you would take a quick minute, if you haven't already, and leave us a review on iTunes, that helps us just get this content in in the ears of more men across the country and across the world. And what's powerful about that to me is that I hope that this podcast helps men have more conversations like this with mentors and with men in their community, because ultimately these conversations should be the norm. This is what men should be talking about and learning from each other and experiencing, right? And so do us a quick favor, leave a quick rating or review, go get signed up for the email newsletter. And as you do that, let's dive into the show. All right, Brother Todd, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks. Great to be with you, Kurt. Thanks for being here, man. So I'm excited to have you on the show because you have uh, been such a great voice and mentor in my life, uh, especially as I made the transition from financial planning world to the marketing world, the business that we're running now. And you spoke so much encouragement into me at such a pivotal time in my life that I know that you're going to do the same here on the podcast. So That's awesome. It has been a real joy to be with you on the journey. Appreciate that, brother. So for the folks that don't know Wilco, <laughs> give us the quick 30-second uh, intro of who is Todd and, and what are you all about? Sure. So um, first and foremost, my identity is in Christ. So I'm a Christ follower. Um, not always a perfect one, but certainly one that through his grace is trying to do my best to follow his lead in my life. And without him, my life is a panoply uh, of a bunch of experiences that don't make a whole lot of sense if he's not at the center. Uh, I'm a husband to my wife, Heather, uh, for almost 23 years. I'm father of four children, Jack, Molly, Nick, and Ben. Um, I'm an Air Force veteran, and I currently serve as a trusted advisor an outside general counsel to a number of amazing family-owned and or private businesses here, largely in the Cincinnati region. Mm. 
I want to be clear that you did not read that because that was about the best bio that anyone has ever given. <laughs> I did not read that. Oh, it was amazing, man. So I'm excited to dig into just more of your story. And there's a lot of your story that, frankly, I don't I don't really know. So I'm excited to, to hear it for the first time. So take us back to, are you from Cincinnati originally? No, I'm not. Okay. So my, my father uh, was a Air Force veteran. Mm-hmm. He was also an Air Force Academy graduate. Uh, one of the first classes in 1965, Hmm. and he met my mother in, uh, while they were in college, she was from Minnesota, he was from New York with a great (laughs) accent. They fell in love, and they um, ended up getting married, and actually the first duty assignment that my father had uh, was Clark Air Base in the Philippines, which is where I was born. So I was actually a dual citizen, Filipino and American. I did not uh, know that. Until I turned 18. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. He was flying over in Vietnam at the time. Wow, wow. I had the opportunity to meet your father briefly at our retreat for AGC and just so impressed with him and and how sharp he is, but also just his character. You can tell he is a man of many, many years of service. So He's a man of of great character, and he's Mm. a man who is a servant. Mm. Um, He served my mom for many years while she was ill, and mm. she, she ultimately passed away in 2012. And mm. um, we talk about the incarnational principle and the ideas of, of truth that we find um, you know, in Scripture. And when you talk about uh, a sacramental marriage and one that is rich and fulfilling and sacrificial and loyal, um, my dad has really demonstrated that. I've been very blessed to have that example mm. uh, from him. And also, frankly, from my in-laws, who are very, very blessed to have them, and uh, that example for Heather and I, and, and ultimately for our kids. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, what a what a, uh, a a blessing to have that example of service from your dad too. That obviously impacted your life. But talk to us first about you know what was life growing up in the Philippines like. You know, I don't remember a lot about the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I moved when I was two. Okay. Um, I do have a bunch of. Uh, pictures of me riding a water buffalo, which looked like that was probably pretty cool. And uh, you're right on the water, so a lot of time at the beach. Um, but we moved around a lot mm. when I was growing up. We, mm. we lived in about every two years we were moving. And mm. so we, we lived all over the United States, a bunch of really great locations. But really the most formative period was down in the Panama Canal Zone. We spent mm. five years down there, first grade through fifth grade. Uh, love the Latin American culture, the people, yeah. the food, the music, uh, very, I mean, the, the, the emphasis on family. It's really, yeah. really amazing um, to have been born there. And although, I mean, I look, and for those of people who know me, I mean, I look about as American as you can get. <laughs> There's part uh, of my soul that really is Latin mm-hmm. because of the amount of time that I spent down there. I still speak Spanish fluently, and mm-hmm. um, I, I would say in Spanish, I would say mi cara, is gringo, pero mi alma es puro latino. <laughs> so my face is gringo, but my, my, my soul is really Latin. That's amazing. So that man. was very formative, and that's been, that's been kind of a story that's weaved in and out of my story as I've grown mm. up and kind of followed the Lord's calling to a bunch of different really exciting adventures yeah. in my life. Now, I, I love that, and I resonate with that a lot, obviously spending as much time in Mexico as, as our family has, right. and, uh, and that was one of the things that early on we bonded over. You were 
quizzing me on my Spanish. That's right. Uh, Jay Alexander, if I recall. Well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, growing up in a military family, a military environment, was did you always know you would end up pursuing a career in the military, or? No, it's interesting. I, I mean, that's all I knew, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, when I was kind of seeking and discerning what I was going to do. Uh, at age 17, which is, you know, ironically where my oldest son Jack is at 18, kind of mm. figuring out what his next steps are. Uh, I can remember just, I had faith growing up my whole life, mm. but I don't know that it had completely become real to me. Mm. And to, to know that really I had a father that had a plan for my life and that I could surrender to that and that I could trust that and that he was going to guide me if I allowed him to guide me. So I, I was very fortunate to have a couple of really great opportunities. My family was, at that point, military and kind of lower middle class. So it's not like my folks had a ton of money mm. to send me off to college. So I, I'd gotten into the Air Force and Naval Academy and gotten into my dream school, which was Notre Dame um, mm. and also UVA, both on ROTC mm. scholarships. Wow. Um, but as I learned later, um, the ROTC scholarship was in aeronautical engineering. So mm. thank God I didn't <laughs> pursue that route because I, I, you know, I like to think I've got some talents, but it definitely is not an aeronautical engineering, <laughs> as I learned at my second year at the Air Force Academy. And, and then my dad was really actually pushing me against going to the academies mm. uh, just because the discipline that he had experienced there was a, a lot of things had changed. Mm. Um, when he went there, it had just, they'd been part of the Army Air Corps. Uh, the discipline was really, was, was pretty brutal. Mm. And he felt like, hey, you've already got plenty of discipline. So he kind of was pushing me more towards the... Um, more towards the ROTC route. It was the time of Top Gun, so everybody was enamored with flying, mm. and so I said, well, I think that's what I want to do. I want to go fly. And so uh, really after a lot of prayer and discernment and sight unseen, had never been to the Air Force Academy, mm. I chose the Air Force Academy, and that's where I ended up going in 1985. That's so. amazing. And so you talk about like your, your faith coming to fruition in that season to right. kind of making that your own. How, what did your prayer life at that time look like as you were making that decision? Right. Well, I had, you know, I grew up in a in a really awesome Catholic family, mm. um, and I still am. I mean, it's kind of part of my story is I'm very ecumenical and, and have a lot of great connections both in the evangelical and in the Catholic community. Mm. Was raised uh, in CYO, Catholic mm. Youth Organization, was raised in Young Life, mm. uh, honestly, my last couple of years actually gave my life to Christ at Saranac in uh, 1984. Oh, wow. And so that's always been a passion of mine is building bridges, you know, among, among the body. But I, I, so I knew how to certainly go through and, and, and the rope prayers, but it was becoming more personal to me. And, and I, I think it really became real that it wasn't just having faith, but it was about faith in action, faith in operation, yeah. and faith is trust. And to be able to say, I've got my plans and I've got my ideas, but if I have a relationship with someone who created me mm. and they created me, and I truly believe they created me with unique gifts and opportunities for a purpose, mm. then I can trust that individual. Mm. So that was like a whole other level, right? And that's, that's an ongoing process, right? At 17, it was a very, you know, I, I certainly wasn't where I, I believe I am now after mm time in the crucible and suffering and failures and, and victories and all those things mm -hmm. and, and watching throughout it how God has continued to guide me and continued to bless me um, and sometimes just showing up and mm -hmm. walking it out, right? Mm -hmm. Having no idea what, what the next thing was going to be. And so that was, that was one where I just said, I, I had a peace. I just knew 
I didn't have all the answers, but I had yeah. a piece that's where I was supposed to go, and that's where I went. Yeah, that's amazing. Bro. And the skiing ended up being pretty freaking awesome out there. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. And it was a great experience. And, yeah. and um, just went back for my 30th reunion, oh, which was amazing. just terrific. Got to see some, some great men and women that I you know, went through a lot of mm. challenging times with, uh, but we really forged a bond that has lasted for 30 years. And frankly, it's like great friendships, mm. picking it right back up again. Yeah, and that's, that's what we had. We had an incredible, credible time out there um, celebrating what we did, but now where we are now. Mm. That's powerful. That's powerful to be able to reflect on that and, and really see a lot of the story that Jesus was weaving in right. those 30 years. Right. right. And, and I mean, honestly, one of the biggest things that happened to me, Kurt, was um, I did very well at the academy. I got my first choice of pilot training. Base. I went off to uh, Williams Air Force Base in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, and I washed out of pilot training in two months. Wow! And it was it was devastating mm. because um, for, for, I, I actually stayed on the base. Um, I was in an administrative function. I got to see my classmates almost every day. Mm. Many of them were looking at me with pity mm. and. Uh, it was very, very, very humbling. And I can say that that was a point where I was getting really big for my britches mm. and thought it was all about me and I was all that. And um, for whatever God had to do there, he, he showed me no. And um, where I thought that was my path, clearly it wasn't my path. Mm. And with 30 years of perspective, I can go back and go, thank you, God, that that's not the way I ended up. Mm. It was the way my brother went. My brother was an incredible, and still is, he flies her southwest, but he was an incredible pilot, mm. F-16, all, all the stuff I dreamed about doing. Mm. Um, Your older, is older brother? my or younger, younger brother. brother. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it was, uh, it, it was definitely a, a course correction big time by God. And, yeah. um, but what he ended up doing was he, he put me on a path that initially was actually leading to a missile silo, which is where a lot of people were heading back then, because they were, the Soviet Union had just fallen. Mm. The, uh, the mission uh, of the Air Force and all the military was changing, so they were starting to even cut back on pilot slots. And um, my dossier, my dossier that was, you know, was going to military uh, command or personnel center uh, was intercepted because they saw that I spoke Spanish. Wow. And that I had, I had relevant experience in Latin America. And so at that point in 1990, uh, we had a drug war, and that's all we had because we, we weren't huh. in the desert yet. We went to the desert a year a year or two later, yeah. but we did have an overseas drug interdiction huh. mission. And so I ended up, you know, I joined the Air Force to see the world, and I ended up my first assignment after Intel school was the Pentagon. <laughs> and I was, I got to tell you, I was, there was, there were not a lot of second lieutenants at the Pentagon. There were a lot of colonels and generals, and there were a lot of captains. And, yeah. uh it was a wild, wild time. But um, I spent a lot of time down in Peru and Ecuador wow. doing counter-drug, counter-narcotic work. Wow. Um, really amazing time, a uh, very formative time. Yeah. But I would say with all that, the thing that was most important was really getting back to my roots and my family mm. and back to my faith. And so mm. I ended up, uh, while I was working, I became a Young Life leader again. Um, oh, wow. And that was really good because it kept me accountable to my faith. So I'm, I'm like, I really felt like if I'm going to live my faith, um, I can't be, there cannot be duality. I can't get up in front mm. of high school kids and be living another life, which I mm. had been living for, for a while, you mm. know, because we all stray, and I did. And, uh, and then I really had a passion because of that relational ministry in Young Life and how powerful it was. I saw so many kids that were leaving 
you know, they were coming to Christ and then they were leaving their mainline churches, whether it be Catholic, Lutheran, mm -hmm. Presbyterian. And I, I felt like, wow, let's bring and reemphasize this relational and this relationship with Christ back. And so uh, a couple of friends and I started a group called New Life, which was in the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. very much with club meetings and, uh, and, and you know, getting in, in, in and spending a lot of time with these kids, you yeah. know, and getting to know them and, and, and trying to be Christ to them and getting into their lives and getting into their junk like, like Jesus did when he, got, yeah. he came down. And uh, we were able to really have an incredible impact. And wow. that's what I was doing when I left the military uh, and decided to go to law school. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So that was while you were at the Pentagon? That's while I was still, I was still at the Pentagon. And, okay. and you know, intermittently, I was down in South America working down there. Amazing. So. And what, what drew you to the law? You know, again, uh, and you're starting to see a pattern. Yeah. Uh, all I knew was the military. That's yeah. all I knew was the Air Force. I mean, I was raised in it. And so I had taken some legal studies courses at the mm. academy. And I was an international politics major. Mm. And, and so, again, it was a lot of prayer. And I just, I, I really just started out by saying, I'll take the LSAT. Mm. Um, and I took the LSAT. And I, again, my dream was always to go to Notre Dame. And I didn't score well enough to get into Notre Dame. Mm. Uh, I got waitlisted. Mm. But I got into this school called Regent University, which was down in Virginia Beach. And I got into a few other schools, but Regent was in pretty close proximity to where I was living at the time in Northern Virginia. I went down there to visit because it was in Virginia Beach, right? Uh -huh. Beach vacation <laughs> Good on excuse. the weekend. I had some friends down there. And I went and I met with the professors and I met with some prospective students and I walked the campus and I felt the, just the power mm. and the peace of God there. Mm, wow. And I also, I heard the message of what they were about. And what they were about was they wanted, they said there is no dichotomy between your faith and your profession, mm. or there should not be. That it should be a fully integrated life. And mm. I, didn't, I didn't hear anybody else talking about that. Now, yeah. Regent at the time was not fully accredited. It was provisionally accredited, which meant that if you graduated, you could only practice in Virginia. So you're oh, limiting wow. your options. It had no network. It was a relatively new school, and it was Pat Robertson's law school. Yeah. And here I am, Catholic, you know. So <laughs> it's like, but I had such a peace. I remember being on my knees that Saturday night in uh, where I was staying, and, and God's like, this is where you're supposed to go. Mm. And I'm like, but, 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 wrestling with him, and no, 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 there's no network, and it's not. And he said, I get all that. This is where you're supposed to go. And um, huh. so I drove back. My dad, uh, I connected with him, and uh, I said, hey, he goes, how was the weekend? I said, I'm going to Regent University. <laughs> and he's like, wait a second. You were just going down there? And I said, I get it. And he goes, and of course, he you know, went through the litany. It, there's no network, and yeah. you know, it's, it's not accredited, and da-da-da-da-da, and it's expensive. And, and I said, Dad, I get all that. I said, but I know that's where I just know beyond what I know. I'm trusting that's where I'm supposed to be. That's, I, that's where God wants me. And wow. I'll never forget this from my dad. What a blessing. He said, well, if your heavenly father is calling you, then your earthly father will succumb. Your, he, I will defer to him. Wow. It was so powerful. And, what amazing uh, leadership. It was amazing. And so um, that began the journey to Regent University and yeah. four years there. And um, the reason why I'm in Ohio, frankly, because I met uh, this really beautiful girl named Heather Spawn, <laughs> who's my wife now, um, who was from Mansfield, Ohio. And so we met down. Actually, Heather was studying there as well? She, uh, she came a year after I was there. Okay. And uh, 
so we met at actually Pat Robertson's Welcome Barbecue. Um, <laughs> one of my Academy buddies was down. He noticed her. He said, Wilco, what do you? How about her? And I'm like, Well, she's. She's, she's, she's really attractive. Now, at that point, like everybody else in my class and others thought that as well, so I had to get in line. But, but ultimately, um, yeah, ultimately we, we fell in love, and uh, we got married while we were in law school. Amazing. And then we were just kind of discerning where we were supposed to be, and uh, I was just sharing this at lunch with a, uh, a, new, a new buddy of mine. I said, I was literally in the computer science room uh, not the computer science room because I wasn't here, but I was in the computer room because I was putting together resumes and cover letters. Mm. And one of my uh, my buddies in my law class, his name was Jim. He was from Cincinnati. Mm. We were targeting a few places in Ohio. My wife, uh, God love her, had originally suggested um, my father-in-law, who's an amazing man, was a judge, very well respected in Mansfield, Ohio. And uh, she had a great plan. She said, you know, honey, I can go back and be a prosecutor there, and you can work at a, a you know at, at a law firm, and we'll have a great life in Mansfield. And I said, no offense to Mansfield, and I love you, and I will follow you to Ohio, but I'm not going to live in Mansfield. <laughs> That's where you drew the line. <laughs> <laughs> not after living in D.C. and it just yeah. you know it, I said, but we will visit your folks because they're wonderful. And um, mm. I said, so what are your other options? <laughs> so she had gone to Miami, mm. and she mentioned Cincinnati, and couple other places that we applied and so anyways I'm in there with Jim and I go Jim if you could if you could work at any law firm in Cincinnati mm. uh, I said I'm at that point I'm 31 years old uh, I'm looking for a place I can I can really develop and succeed that's got a great culture uh, where would you where would you apply and he said without hesitation knowing you and your faith and things that are important to you uh, Keating Muth and Inkley Camp yeah and I couldn't even hardly pronounce that name. <laughs> there you go. but um, I applied there and I mm. I didn't hear anything for a long time, mm. and uh, it, you know, long story. But it, it turned out they were really hiring just from their summer program, and I, mm. I had never been through their summer program. But a need arose after a couple of months because I had a real piece for some reason. I was supposed to apply and go to that firm, and I eventually got an interview, and, and literally within a day, I got an offer. Wow! And that's how we ended up in Cincinnati. It was pretty, pretty amazing, and it was funny doing the interviews with. Um, who became partners and associates of mine, so many of them would ask, why Cincinnati? Yeah. Why Cincinnati? Uh, because at that time, honestly, Cincinnati has continued to develop and it's a great place, but tough place to break into, even for someone who had lived all over the world and had assimilated mm. into a lot of different places. But I, I remember saying it to one of them, I said, why not Cincinnati? Mm. I said, the cost of living here is amazing. The traffic <laughs> is a lot better than D.C., <laughs> let me tell you. And... I just love the familiarity. I, I love mm. the idea of, of being able to, I, at that point, came from, had three siblings and wanted to raise what's called now a f large family, mm. even though we didn't have kids at that point. And I said, this really seems like this could be a great place for us to be able to do that. And mm. it, it has proven to be that. So mm. ended up joining there, and that's what brought us here in 1998. Now. That's amazing, man. Mm. That's amazing. But again, you well, see the pattern. The pattern is just... Um, it doesn't make sense without God. Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense for me to be in Cincinnati. I had no connections whatsoever. Yeah. But it's just, I think, you know, we talk about what does it mean to be a grown man? And mm -hmm. I think in many ways, I think we all are continuing to try to discern and figure that out. Mm. I think it's to be able to be humble. Mm. It's to be able to be led. Mm. And it's to be able to really, really trust that... Um, you know, we have a loving Father that really desires the best for us. And sometimes His ways, oftentimes His ways, don't 
makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if we trust him, he has an incredible adventure for our life. Mm. Uh, one that I, I could have never planned, and I, I mean, believe me, there's, I believe there's plenty of adventure ahead, but yeah. you know, at age 52, uh, I, I could not have plotted this. Mm. You know, Keating to then Baker Concrete as their GC, and then now at Frost Brown Todd, uh, working as an outside general counsel for a number of incredible companies where yeah. I can not just be a lawyer, but really be truly an advisor and someone who is a counselor and who relies, let me tell you, a lot on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because there are tough, tough problems and issues that uh, I don't know the answer, but I, I've got great colleagues here who can help me, mm. and, and I ultimately have, I, I have, I have the ability to be able to tap into the Holy Spirit and mm. just to be able to say in humility, help, because <laughs> yeah, I no want to help. So. Where do you think that trust comes from? Like, where did you learn to actually go to the Holy Spirit and say, I don't know the answer to this. I, I need you to help. Like, where did that come from? Well, I, like, you know, you, I've, I've been very fortunate with a lot of mentors. Mm. And, um, I mean, my young life leader who was just out here in August, Rick Beckwith, who's just amazing and who really kind of took to this kind of gangly, awkward, uh, <laughs> trying to figure it out 17-year-old and, and poured so much into me, Father Jack Peterson, Father John Wall, my father, of course, my father-in-law, uh, mm. Judge Ron Spahn, amazing men of God um, mm. who, um, who, who modeled that. And mm. then I, I think at the end of the day, right, you, you, your trust muscle develops over time mm. as you, you step out and follow with his grace. You can't mm. do it on your own, but with his grace. And then you see the path. It's like if, if you remember those video games maybe 20 years ago where you're, you're there and everything around you is dark mm. and you take another step in one direction and then a portion of it is revealed, mm -hmm. right? That's really what I think mm -hmm. a lot of it's about. Yeah. I mean, right, we have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring or if there's even going to be a tomorrow. Yeah. But what we know and what I have become firmly convinced of is God just didn't put me and everybody else on the earth just to kind of run rampant. Mm. He truly created us for a purpose. Mm. And we get off the path all the time, but he gently can get us back on if we trust him. And if we do, it certainly might not be what we planned or what we thought, mm. but you look back on it and you go, wow, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Mm. And um, so I think it's just a matter of experience, right? Because to build trust in anyone, you've got to have a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to, to be able to know that their words are true. Mm -hmm. And I've found over time, absolutely, his words are true. And I mean, again, some of the places he had me go, unexpected, some, sometimes, uh, again, I, <clears throat> I, I, when I left Baker, I loved being in-house as a general counsel. I, I love that company. And most people who are in-house, they never, ever go back to a law firm. Mm. And that was my thing. I mean, when I left, I was like, God, send me to do whatever you, wherever you want me to go, but don't send me back to a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> right? <coughs> Keep me out. Yeah, great Keep prayer. And it, it wasn't because you have to measure your life in six-minute increments or ten-minute increments again. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody likes to do that, but you pick that up. I just knew that I wanted to have impact and influence, and I could do that when I was closer to the business than far away from the business mm. in a series of one-off transactions often. And um, so the cool thing was, God said, do you trust me? Mm. Do you really trust me? Then don't put a caveat on a prayer like that. Mm. 
and so that's exactly where I ended up, and uh, still walking it out. Yeah, but that was a huge leap. I feel of faith. like you know, five and a half years later, it's been it's been an incredible move, and he's he has didn't didn't have to, but he's decided to bless it, and mm. and we you know we get to help a lot of people mm. and and provide I think a really cool niche in the market that wasn't there, but that people really really desired. Mm. So. I love just like the the like you said a story that only God could write, right? All right. the uh, weaves and all the different different directions that God has taken you. If you were talking to a young man, maybe Jack, your son, right? If you were talking to a young man that is kind of on the front end of that and trying to lean into what God might have for him, how would you encourage him to lean into that trust? That's a great question. And it's honestly, I feel so ill-equipped um, most of the time to either do what I'm doing as a father, as a husband, um, or even, you know, just trying to serve the clients I'm blessed to be able to serve. Mm. And so as I've been, as I've been trying to, to work with Jack and not be too directionally and certainly not be controlling, the thing that I've tried to emphasize it to him, and he's a, he's a really sharp guy and he, he's pretty focused. So mm. he's, he's, I didn't have to drive to 26 different colleges with him. You know, <laughs> there's about a couple of colleges that he, is focused on and, and he really has a good feeling of where he wants to go. Mm. But I said, at the end of the day, Jack, this is where my faith became alive. This is where my faith became real. And mm. I said, so if you can just be laying that out for him mm. and, and trusting him with this, really probably one of the biggest, it is the biggest decision he's ever made mm. as an 18 year old mm -hmm. young man, mm -hmm. um, watch him work, mm. Tr but you can trust him. And that's that would be, you know, I, I do get, I have a mentoring spirit. I have a mentoring heart. Um, I, I meet with a number of, of of young men, and that's that's always what my word is to them. Uh, I meet with a lot of. Uh, I have a real passion for men and women, but largely it's men yeah. uh, who are in transition, you know, and, and mm. who are, who many in many cases had built maybe a great twenty or twenty five year career somewhere, mm. and then have found out that uh, their services are no longer needed. Mm. And I got to tell you, the reason I'm passionate is because I've been in transition myself. Mm. But I also see much more than women, men, their identity is so tied to what they do. Mm. And so when you talk about identity theft, right? When yeah. you talk about you talk about a man at risk, man, I've I've met with a lot of men that were significantly at risk yeah. because they had lost everything that they thought drove them. Mm. And part of what I encourage them is to say. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You have mm. unique gifts and talents. Mm. Your past does not define you. You also have passions. Mm. And if you can figure out and how, if you can marry out your unique strengths with those passions, um, again, not be, maybe your experience and maybe your background will help inform you, but it shouldn't, you shouldn't say, well, I'm a mm. supply chain specialist. That's mm -hmm. what I need to do. Well, maybe it's not what you need yeah. to do. It's figuring out and being introspective about what it is and how you've been created, and you might find yourself in a whole different spot. Mm. And to be introspective and to pray and to trust. Mm. And so, you know, when I meet with some folks, some folks are like, I've got a job opportunity, or I typically like to connect people, but I always like to try to pray with them. And mm. I want to encourage them with that. And mm. uh, man, it's been healing because I've met some some men who are on the journey that are broken men and they mm. are at risk. And mm. just to remind them that God's still in it. Mm. And some of them maybe aren't at a point where they believe in God. Mm -hmm. Some had lost their faith, but 
it's amazing to, number one, some people believe I'm not worthy of prayer. Mm. Well, we're really not worthy of prayer, but still, let's keep doing it. Yeah. And, and also to, to, to remember that they're not in it alone, man, mm. that they're walking with, if they allow him to, he's walking with them and he has a plan. Yeah. And that, man, what great hope there is in that. Yeah. So. Your, you know, your, your ability to both act yourself, but also encourage others to just lean into that trust. Again, mm -hmm. that's what spoke so much into me when I was thinking about making a transition mm -hmm. uh, and was such a massive encouragement to me. Now, being a married man, walking that out in my marriage when it's not just a decision that affects me, it's a decision that affects my bride, right? And it's a decision right. that affects our life together. Right. How, how have you and Heather worked to like make sure you're on the same page in the way that you're trusting the Holy Spirit and His guidance? You know, I mean, I think that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, in all vulnerability, um, the thing that I would really, I would really encourage whoever's listening and certainly you is um, it's, it's so important to build that foundation and that relationship and that friendship. Mm. Um, some people don't have the advantage of doing that before they have kids, but to, mm -hmm. to do that. But then just don't believe that it's going to continue to sustain itself mm. over time because it's so easy especially with four kids, um, you know, four kids in six years. Uh, Heather's uh, principal at CHCA where our kids go to school. She's doing great stuff there as mm -hmm. assistant principal. Um, I've obviously got a busy career. We're running in a lot of different directions, and more times than not, we're not on the same page. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're ships passing the night in survival mode. Mm -hmm. I'll just be honest with you. And so that's the challenge of, uh, I think, a lot of couples in that space and it's about being intentional and, mm -hmm. and self admittedly, I need to be more intentional and mm -hmm. I need to own that with Heather and, uh, and, and, and do far better than what I've done. And uh, it's something that God continues to put on my heart mm -hmm. and um, I'm working at it, let's put mm -hmm. it that way. So I'm not gonna be, uh, you'll have plenty of other guests that probably have great advice for you there. <laughs> uh, I, I can humbly tell you, I, mm -hmm. that's not where I give myself anywhere close to high marks and it's something I need to work on. Well, but it's I something think, just to encourage you yeah. to just never take it for granted and just yeah. to make sure that you are always mm -hmm. investing mm -hmm. in what is the most important relationship in your life uh, when you get married, which is your marriage, mm -hmm. you know, before all other things. Mm -hmm. That might be the most manly comment that has been made on the podcast <laughs> thus far to wow. be able to have that humility and yeah. vulnerability to to own, gosh, that's an area where God's working on mm -hmm. me, I think is is so powerful. And yeah. I, I love for men to hear that, right? That uh, the men that are invited on this podcast, they're not invited on because they got everything figured out, yeah. right? You're invited on because you're willing to be humble and vulnerable about Gosh, this is what God has taught me, and here are areas of my life that God's teaching me right now, right. that He's exposing to me right now. Right. Well, I'm curious in that vein, a lot of the times in my life where uh, those areas in, in my life and in my character get exposed are in community with other men. What has community with other men looked like in, in your life? Well, and that's a great question because, you know, we definitely were not meant to be on this journey by ourselves. Mm -hmm. and. Um, I'll just start out by saying this, and, and I'm sure this will resonate with a number of men, and it's, it's been a big part of, of my life. Um, the enemy, uh, he desires to destroy us. Mm -hmm. He desires to confuse us. He hates us. Mm -hmm. He hates our marriages, and he's real. Mm -hmm. um, now, he's been beaten, mm -hmm. and I think he realizes that, but that doesn't keep him from doing what he needs to do. And, 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 and what I've found in my life, and I'm, I'm sure other men, 
have found. You used the word um, um, kind of that kind of idea of imposter and mm. man, how often have I heard that in my life and I think other men have, uh, which is especially you know with, with as many transitions as I've made and just mm. followed without knowing if I had the ability. So I already had questions myself about whether I could do things, but yeah. you know, the enemy's voice is, you're a fraud, mm. you're a failure, mm -hmm. you will be exposed, mm -hmm. right? Um, one of, in response, uh, and, I, and I really got this out of one of the books that's been so impactful yeah. on me my entire life, and one of the greatest books I think on men's spirituality, which is Wild at Heart. Mm. And what was his message? What was God's message through in that book? It was, you've got what it takes. Mm -hmm. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're mm -hmm. not a fraud. Mm -hmm. Follow my path. I'll equip you with everything that you need. And by the way, you'll always remember that it's me. Mm -hmm. You know, walk into those things. You stick in a comfort zone, you won't realize it. You stick yourself out and you just follow. You'll always remember it's me. And that's where the glory comes mm -hmm. um, if you're following me. So I think it's helpful, starting with, you know, even in, in, in Young Life, we had a group of guys, again, that came out in August to spend some time in Cincinnati um, that were my, my friends out of campaigners and mm. out of Young Life. And, man, we, I can't say we've done life perfectly together, but we've, you know, because of our Young Life leader, Rick, he's kept us um, in contact. Mm. And, and we, and, you know, you've got to have somebody who is going to ask you those hard questions. And... Some, because they, you know they love you, right? Yeah. They're not judging you, but they, because you can ask them the same kind of things. Yeah. Because yeah. it's easy to get tied up in those kind of thoughts and, mm -hmm. and a lot of other stuff, which, um, you know, again, the enemy is seeking to take away our leadership. And the way that he does that is he, is he finds ways to destroy us ethically and mm -hmm. morally. Because he knows if he can get leaders, he gets a lot more than one to one. Mm -hmm. And he also gets marriages. He also gets families, mm. for legacies, for mm. impacts in generations to come. So mm -hmm. um, I, I, I have, um, uh, since then, a number of men. Uh, I, I have a father's group at CHCA that I meet mm. with which on Friday, which has been a great blessing. Mm. A lot of transparency, um, a lot of follow-up. Mm. Um, you know, but just an incredible... I'm going to mention him on the, the podcast because he has been so amazing in my life, Pierre Perot. I mm. mean, he is just... Uh, Gosh, I know so many men, but just the passion and the friendship and the encouragement, and he's an incredible man. Mm. And he's been such, for 20-some years now, has been such a great accountability and encouragement wow. to me. I just, I just, I love him. I mean, he's just an incredible. Yeah. And then my brother, Kip, has been tremendous. Uh, we don't get to see each other as often, but... You know, he stood up next to me next to my wedding, and he oh, he has liberty to ask me questions, and um, and and I about him because I stood at his wedding as well with his beautiful wife Julia. Yeah. But that's an integral part of it because what again what the enemy wants to do he wants to confuse you, he wants to steal your hope, mm. he wants to fill you with despair, he wants to bring about darkness, mm. because in darkness everything seems bigger than when the light is put on it, mm. and he wants to isolate you. Mm -hmm. He wants to isolate you because mm -hmm. if he can isolate you, then he can destroy you because mm. he can bring about darkness and he can bring about despair. And unfortunately, Kurt, I know some really great men mm. who, uh, who aren't with us anymore mm. because at some point they succumb to that. Mm. 
but that's that's a real voice that I think all of us as men hear. Absolutely. And uh, especially, uh, you know, especially those, and we all have that wounding that didn't yeah. hear it from our father. Yeah. That didn't hear it on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I, I work with a lot of men, and, and frankly, I've got some of that wound as well. That sure. Just incredible leaders, but that's an incredible wound in their life. Mm. And so... Um, you, you want to hear it from the Spirit, you want to hear it from the Lord, but you also want to be able to hear that encouragement and that accountability through mm. men that you're, you're doing life with. Uh, you know, there's a phrase that comes to mind, I, I don't even know who to accredit it to, but that God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. Mm. And I just, as I'm sitting here reflecting on hearing really your story all the way through for the mm. first time, uh, I, I feel like you are a testimony to... Mm just consistently leaning into, okay, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for me next? And I will honor that. Mm -hmm. I'll honor that call, whether I feel equipped to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you've put yourself in situations that I admire where you have been able to say, hey, I, I know it ain't me that's that's driving this success. It's mm -hmm. God, right? right? And so, Well, praise be to God for that. Yeah, amen. Amen. So thanks for coming on the show. Brother, if there is, uh, if we were sitting in a room right now full of young men right. that are actively pursuing Jesus, mm -hmm. that are trying to figure out what it means to be a grown man, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd leave them with? Uh, my, someone who I really respect so much is Matthew Kelly. He talks about mm -hmm. the classroom of silence. Spend more time, as much time as you can possibly, in that classroom of silence mm -hmm. before the Lord and just asking him for not only to hear his voice, to hear what he wants from you, and to ask him humbly for the grace to be able to perform whatever that mission is. Mm. And just know, again, that we weren't made to be in a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. We weren't, we're not junk. We are fearfully and wonderfully made for a unique purpose. And he will equip us for that. We don't have to be afraid, right? What's the first thing that Jesus said when he came back to his apostles? Do not be afraid. Mm. You know, one of my personal heroes, Pope John Paul II, it's the first thing he said when he took on his pontificate. Do not be afraid. Mm. The enemy wants to fill us with fear and anxiety. Our God wants us to fill us with peace that surpasses all understanding mm. and that gives us the ability to be able to trust when we don't know what's in front of us because we don't know. Mm. One thing we know, though, is we got a loving father. He's in it with mm. us, and he's going to see us through. We just need to trust him and allow him to fill us with the grace to be able to walk it out and show up. Mm. Mm. Todd Wachowski, attorney at law and preacher. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm just, I'm just, man. It's amazing, it's, brother. It's, 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 I'd like to say I learned it in a book, man, but mm. I'm, I'm like, I got the passion because I've lived it, and mm. I'm still living it, so, mm. and I'm living it imperfectly, but just mm -hmm. by His grace, trying to do it every day, man. That's what it's all about, brother. Thanks again for being here, man. You bet. Thanks Appreciate for having you. me. What's up, fellas? I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did recording it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. If this show has done anything for you, I want you to do 
two quick things for me if you haven't already. The first is I want you to go to grownmanproject.com. It's linked up there in the show notes. And I want you to make sure that you're signed up for our email newsletter. We're going to be doing live events throughout 2020. We're going to be sending out content that I think is relevant. If you like this podcast, the content that we're delivering there over email is relevant as well. We're going to be talking about other podcasts that we're listening to, other opportunities to get involved, other things that we are learning as we are doing this journey together as men that are just trying to figure it out in faith, work, and life, right? So I want you to go ahead and go to grownmanproject.com, get signed up for the email newsletter there. Second thing is leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That really helps us get this show out in front of as many men as possible. We are just trying to lean into what God is calling us to with this show. And so uh, we feel like one of the things God's calling us to is just to help get stories like this, get wisdom like this, get normal conversations, right? These conversations shouldn't be totally off the wall. These should be the conversations that we're having with mentors and with our community day in and day out. We want to get these normal conversations in the ears of as many men as possible. So leaving us a rating review in iTunes is really, really helpful. I would greatly appreciate it. If you have thoughts, questions for the show, if you have men in your life that you think would be great guests for the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at grownmanproject.com. Thanks again so much for listening, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you.